My name is Jacob, and I'm the preaching minister here at the Tri-Valley Church of Christ. Uh, I've enjoyed sharing this communion with you guys today, a chance to reflect and remember Jesus. I also kind of like that the new sound of us taking communion together is this. Can you hear this this crinkling of the foil while we're all, all communing together? It reminds me of sitting around a crackling fire like the disciples, I'm sure, did. The ones who walked and talked with Jesus and after he was ascended into heaven and they were just like, hey, remember when he said this? Remember when he did this? The look on that guy's face when as well. We're witnesses of his ministry, his life, and his lordship. So I'm glad that we get to share communion together each week and provide our own little crackling fire sound effects. Um, Welcome to those of you who are online this morning. I saw uh, Wes and Deanne. Hello, you guys. Uh, the, the, the Brown and Ferguson crew is, is watching online. Fred and June and Babs and, and several others. I'm not going to get everybody's names, but those are the ones that I saw as I was tuning in a little bit earlier. And thank you all for being here in person. We are in a series right now that's called Christian Character, and we're going to talk about what it means to be those disciples of Christ, sitting around the fire and going, what are we supposed to do now? We've encountered Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We have put our hope in Jesus Christ. What are we supposed to do now? That's what we're going to be talking about in the month of May. So I invite you to join me on this journey. Uh, And today we're going to do a little bit more of setting the stage. And in the weeks, we're going to talk more specifically about Christian virtues. Uh, But today, uh, it's a little bit of a conversation that we need to have before we go any further. So join me. Uh, let me open with a, with a prayer before I kick into a bunch of my prepared remarks. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for your presence. We thank you for Jesus Christ, your son, who sacrificed his life for us and also lived his life in a way that modeled for us where we're going and what we should be doing along the way. He modeled the love that you have for us and invited us to love people with that same commitment and vigor and intensity and consistency. That's what we want to do in our lives. We're thankful for our mothers. We're thankful for uh, our children. We love our mothers. We love our children, but we want to love everybody the same way that we love our family, the way that Jesus invited, loved, and committed himself to people. So transform our hearts between the time we walk out of this building. Let us leave here as changed people empowered and equipped by your Holy Spirit to go and do good works in the name of Jesus Christ. And anybody who's on board with me, say it with me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, think about how you prepare for what you're going to do. Anything you prepare for, whether it's a future plan, like uh, a a place you're going to go, think about your travel plans. If you have some travel that's coming up in the future, you're probably already thinking about where you're going to go and what you're going to do. I want to draw attention to the fact today that how well you prepare for something depends on where it is you're going and what you're planning on doing when you get there. My family went on a trip a couple weeks ago. We took a driving trip to the Grand Canyon and we went to some national parks in Utah and we got a bunch of kids and we thought, okay, we're going to be in the car for a week. We got to make some plans. What are we going to bring? How are we going to prepare for this? We knew we were going to be doing some hiking, so we said, okay, we got to bring the water bottles, we got to bring the the hiking backpacks that Lucy and Leah get to ride in, because they're not very big hikers. Uh, So we packed all that stuff, and then we also realized, okay, it's kind of warm in California, but in Utah, it's going to be 25 degrees in the mornings, so we better bring some coats, we better bring some some gloves and some, some caps, 
But at the same time, we realized we are going to have an indoor pool where we're staying, so we also got to bring some floaties, and we got to bring some swimsuits. And you see what I'm saying? We had to prepare for where we're going, because what we were going to do made it so that, that that's what you, you do. It's where, how you prefer, prepare for something depends on where you're going and what you're going to do when you get there. And the same thing is true for how Christians prepare for what we are going to do and where we're going to go after we die. That's right. Happy Mother's Day. We're going to talk about death this morning. So the details of what happens to people after they die is obviously a big topic that is sensitive. It is endlessly debated. It's shrouded in quite a bit of mystery, and it's, it's hard to put too fine a point on. But here's what I want us to think about this morning. When modern Christians think of heaven, a lot of times they think that it's going to be like a cruise. Think about a cruise that you prepare for, that you, you sign up for, and that you go on. Uh, a cruise is someplace you go that's, that's far away from where you are right now, and you are literally floating somewhere. Uh, you get to be with all of your favorite people, and, but there's also some other people there, but they're pretty cool. They're, they'll be all right. Uh, you don't have to worry about anything when you get there. It's a place where all of your needs are taken care of. And when you go there, there's a little bit of mystery, but you don't worry about it because, you know, I know enough to know that it's going to be really enjoyable and really, really for me. And so once you have your ticket to a cruise, what do you have to do? What do you have to do to prepare for it? Well, in my experience, you don't really have to do anything. All you got to do is show up and go on the cruise. When I, uh, the only time in my life that I've been on a cruise was, I was like 15 years ago. It was like way before we had kids. Uh, Lisa and I went on a cruise just down the, the California coast and into Ensenada, Mexico, like a one week cruise uh, with no kids. And I didn't have to do anything to prepare for it. I just showed up and they took care of all my needs. They said, here's something to do, here's something to eat. Oh my goodness, all hours of the night, there, was, there were restaurants that were open and it was all covered. It was a very, very enjoyable experience. Uh, I didn't have to do anything to prepare because all I did was relax and receive and enjoy. My plan for going on this cruise was to do And if you think what happens to people who are in Christ after they die, if you think that it's something that's a lot like a cruise, then you really don't need to do anything to prepare for it. You've got your ticket, you're all set, all you got to do is just show up at the right time and make sure the boat doesn't leave without you. That's one view that people have of heaven. Now let me describe another week-long experience that you can have in this life uh, that I think is a lot more like what the Bible actually says when it talks about heaven. And the week-long trip that I have in mind that I want to describe for you is that of going and serving at daybreak camp. Going and volunteering at daybreak camp for one week during the summer. Raise your hand if you've ever done, like a, you volunteered at a camp, or you've been on a missions trip where you go somewhere and your purpose is to go and serve and help people. This is what happens if you haven't had this experience. You go to serve, you have a specific role that you play when you get there, and it might be a different role than some of the other people. You might be a cabin counselor at camp. You might be a small group leader. You might plan and lead games, or you might end up in the kitchen cooking food or washing dishes all week. But whatever that specific volunteer role is, 
All of the work that is done that week contributes to the purpose of the camp, which is to experience and glorify and worship God. And so think about it. Once you've signed up for volunteering at a week of camp, how do you prepare for that? Well, you don't just show up and do nothing. You may need to get ready for this experience. You might need to coordinate and communicate with the people who are in charge and maybe some of the people on the team that you're going to be serving alongside. If you're a cabin leader, you might get the names of your campers ahead of time. They'll say, hey, get to know these names and maybe some faces and start to pray for your cabin. You're going to be leading and teaching lessons. You might need to prepare for those. Games, you may need to buy some supplies and make sure that you're ready with activities during the week. And there's a lot of hills at Daybreak Camp. Anybody want to amen that and say, oh yeah, you're going to be on your feet a lot. And so they send out communication to volunteers that say, it's going to be kind of a tiring week. You might want to take a few walks before you get here and, and build up your stamina. Uh, most people will tell you that serving as a volunteer for a week at Daybreak Camp is a really enjoyable and rewarding experience. But you have to admit, it's a lot different from the enjoyable experience of a cruise. You don't just show up there expecting to do nothing. You are going there for the purpose of doing something. And this is why we're talking about this. In the same way, Christians do not just wait around for the cruise ship of heaven to disembark so that we can get out of here and leave all of this behind. We eagerly anticipate and prepare for a certain role that God has in store for us in his restored kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth. And if you've always thought of heaven that's kind of like a cruise, then hearing me say that it's going to be more like a camp is going to take some adjusting to. But I believe it's something that the Bible has been telling us all along. And maybe we haven't been hearing it. Or maybe we haven't understood it. But I think that we need to spend t more time listening to what the Bible actually says about the future that God has in mind for his people, rather than just imag imagining our best case scenario cruise situation. So that's what I want to do for the next few minutes. Here. We're going to look at some scriptures. There's actually a lot of these in the New Testament, but I just, I've grabbed a handful of them, and I want to point out some things for us this morning. And some of you, at this point, might be thinking, Jacob, I'm pretty old. I'm probably going to die. And if you're telling me that the next chapter of my life is going and washing dishes at daybreak camp, then I might have a problem with that. And I can understand that concern. But just, just stick with me. We're going somewhere I think you'll like it. Uh, so let's, let's turn to some of these passages right now. I've asked some of the people from the congregation to read just some select passages from Paul's letters uh, and from a, a passage that Jesus spoke about. So Molly, go ahead and cue that video, and then we'll take a look here in just a sec. For if, for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? If any of you have a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Do you not know that the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, 
we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers or sisters, or father or mother, or wife or children, or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Okay. When it comes to the afterlife, what you will notice is that the Bible keeps referencing Christians being involved with judging and ruling and reigning. And the scriptures that talk about this, as you can see from some of these examples, they're not just obscure. They're not just these, these weirdos off to the sides that we tend to brush aside, but we do tend to brush them aside. As I was thinking about it this week, I go, of course, I know the passage where Jesus says, ah, oh, the, the last will be first and the first will be last. That's classic Jesus. But I forgot about the part sitting on 12 thrones and judging the 12 tribes. What's, what's that about? I don't really get it. I don't know what he's talking about. But hey, first will be last. Last will be first. We'll just hang out there. And in Romans chapter 5, when Paul talks about death and sin coming into the world through one man, Adam. He blew it for all of us. But then just in the same way, Christ redeemed all of us. Salvation and life came through one man, Jesus. I love that part and I know that part, but I tend to gloss over that yellow to reigning life. But this is the exact verse. These references, they kind of sneak up on us and we tend to not really absorb them. And it's kind of like a song that we sang earlier. This even in some of our song lyrics, these things will sneak up on us. I don't know if you, you noticed this. In the chorus of the last song we sang, he arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his, with his saints to reign. What are we talking about here? It's hard to read all of these references to the role that God has in mind for Christians after we've been raised to life and still think that heaven is going to be like a cruise. I've always found that it's helpful if we're trying to ask the question, where are we going? What does God want for us? What was our original intention all along for creation? It's helpful to go to the bookends of the Bible, to go from Genesis and then the very end of the Bible. Because in both places you see this is what God has in mind. This is God wanting to be with his people. This is God's good creation and this, this, this whole purpose of why we exist in the first place. And do you know what you see when you look at these two bookends on this topic that we're talking about today, you see humans reigning and ruling in both instances. Think about it. When God uh, created at the beginning, Genesis, Adam and Eve being with them together in the garden, he said, I want you to fill the earth and subdue it. It's your responsibility. I want you to rule, there's that word again, rule over the fish and the birds and the livery, every living creature. But in the same way, as we see this responsibility given to humans, the very end, when you look at Revelation, which is the coming age, and what we get this glimpse of where we're going and what God is going to do, you see God wanting his creation, his humans, to be good stored creation at the time of the resurrection, the new heavens and the new earth. And I want to show you this. Uh, three quick stops in the book of Revelation, and then I'll explain to you why this mirror is up on stage today. 
Revelation 5 gives us a glimpse or a, a revealing or even a revelation. Hey, how about that? That's, that's why it's called revelation. It's kind of pulling back the curtain and saying, this is what's happening in heaven right now. The place where God reigns, where you get people worshiping, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And they're, they're worshiping the slain lamb who is Jesus Christ. We get to kind of a glimpse of that. Ever since the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, this is the celebration party. This is the victory. It says this, they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. They're talking about the lamb, the, uh, Jesus Christ. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will what? They will reign on earth. They will fast forward to the last two chapters. Of Revelation. Revelation 21, we don't see Christians going up to heaven. Instead, what we see is heaven coming down to earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And sea is this symbol for chaos and disorder. And it's like, eh, none of that. When God is there, there's no more worry. There's no, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's exciting. No sea, no chaos. I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be the people, God himself will them and be there and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Man, it sounds good. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Sounds like the beginning. What God had hoped for his creation. Ah, so good. Okay, and then here comes, here comes the reigning part again. Your role, what you're going to look forward to doing. Revelation 22, the very last chapter in the whole Bible. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will face, his name will be on their forehead. There will be no more night. The, the, the light of a sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will what? They will reign forever and ever. There it is again. The last job that you will ever have. Reigning with Christ forever and ever. And there's still some mystery surrounding exactly what, is, what this is going to be like and what this is going to look like. But I want to go back to where we started and say how you prepare for something depends on where you're going, what you think you're going to be doing when you get there. And if you're a Christian, where you're going is this. God's restored heavens and new earth. And what you're going to be doing? Worshiping God, reigning with Christ, and serving in his perfect restored kingdom. This is going to be our role the good news is we can start doing it now. We don't have to wait until we get there to start actively engaging in this role 
and training ourselves for this reigning that we're going to be doing. N.T. Wright puts it like this. If we are to learn in advance the language that will be called upon to speak in God's new world, these are among its main features. Worship and stewardship, generating justice and beauty. These are the primary vocations of God's redeemed people. Or another way of putting it is this. We are like angled mirrors. Thank you, Brittany. Kind of dark out there. Here's the, here's the role that we can serve. We shine light world. And the praises of God's creation are reflected back up to him. This, I'm going to try to hold this without breaking my back. This goes both ways. There's, this is two-directional. This is the glory of God shining down and us reflecting it into the world. I'm going to shine this in some of your eyes real quick, just so that you can get, get this. Wow, that's pretty bright. You are in the darkness, but this is God's light. Raise your hand if you can see the spotlights on the ceiling right now. You couldn't see them before. But because of what I'm doing, because of me taking my role seriously as one of God's redeemed saints and a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the role that I'm called to play. It goes this direction, but it also goes this direction. I absorb those, those, those praises of creation. When a bird chirps, it glorifies God. When I see a beautiful sunset, when I say, I love you, Mom, it's Mother's Day. I'm calling you and telling you how much I appreciate you. That is me reflecting the goodness of God's creation back up to him. It's, 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 it's worship. And then it's It goes this way, it goes this way. Is this making sense? I want you to remember this image, and, and if you're closing your eyes because I shined a light on you, I'm, I'm trying to keep it up <laughs> for now, so hopefully it's not too bright anymore. But I want you to remember this image because this is your job. This is your job now. This will be your job throughout eternity, to reflect the praises of God's creation back up to him and to shine God's light outward. Now think about this. Um, what if I... I put this mirror down. Okay. I'm still in the light. It's pretty good. Like, oh, I have this great relationship with God. I'm receiving all these blessings. I'm thankful. Hashtag blessed. But there's a lot of darkness out there. There's a lot of people that don't realize that this is an option. What about this? What if I take this mirror and I just point it at myself? God's glory and God's design for my life. I'm, I'm just happy with this reflection that I see. And you're still sitting out there in the darkness. This is what happens when Christians don't take their role seriously. Or when we don't know where it is we're going. And we have a, a view of heaven that's, that's as self-focused as me holding up a giant mirror in front of myself. Let me say a quick word about judging and reigning, because I feel like that might be an obstacle for some people. If you say, okay, Jacob, to, uh, we're going to be judging? I already have a bad reputation of being judgy and judging people. And a lot of the times when we hear the word judging or like, oh, 
we're going to do some judging. Uh, we, we automatically think condemnation. We hear judging and we think condemning. But I want you to think of judging in a different way. In its best sense, judging is about bringing justice into the world. And we do less in this role of bringing our personal judgments against people. When we're angled mirrors and we're reflecting God's glory, we are bringing his judgment about his creation. And you know what God says about his creation? It is good. This is a good thing. I love Bill and Connie. And I love Joyce. And I love all of you. You are my beloved children. Can we bring that love, that acknowledgement? Can we help people know that their creator loves them so much? It's not about all the things that you wrong. It's an invitation to what God intended for us in the first place. Judging at its best brings the best version of the lives that we want to live, the, the, the creation that God had in mind. I was thinking about this right around this time of year, 66 years ago, there was a judgment that was made that brought justice into the world. About 50 years prior to that, the courts of the United States had said, you know what, it's okay for us to segregate schools. Black children over here, white children over here, separate but equal. They're fine because they're equal, but they can be separate. And 66 years ago, the Supreme Court said, uh, that's not the way things should be. That's not a good judgment. So we're going to overturn that ruling, and we are going to say separate but equal is not equal. And a lot of good things came from that. This is the kind of judging that I'm talking about, the kind of judging that brings God the way that it was supposed to have been all along. Over here on the wall, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said this, and you probably know why he said this. Somebody asked him the question, what, what are we doing? What now? What's the most important commandment, teacher? And he said, I'll tell you, it's love God. It's this. It's this. And I'll throw you in the second one for free. It's love your neighbor. It's this. This is what we're talking about. Loving God, loving our neighbors. Worshiping God and letting people know what, we've, what happens when we worship. How we've become transformed to love. Sending our prayers up to God and expecting that he will be involved and that he will act. But then also just not waiting saying, all right, God, I'm, but maybe you're calling me to go out and be a part of this prayer request too, to bring healing, to bring love, to bring encouragement to somebody who's hurting. This is our task. This is our role. It's loving God and loving others. So, so far in this series, we've kind of talked about the concept of Christian character and why it matters now, why, why what we do now is going to influence what we'll do later. And the big part of today was just kind of trying to get us to change a mindset that we may have of a, you know, wait and see. Like, everything will be fine. It'll just magically, I'll become this person I'm designed to be when I get to heaven. My encouragement for us today is let's not wait. What we do now matters eternally if we're doing the role that God is calling us to do now and that God will call us to do as our eventual destiny. And then next week, like I said, more of what this looks like, issues that are brought about in the New Testament. Okay, well, what does it look like to be this angled mirror? Well, 
here are some characteristics. That's what we're going to dig into for the next three weeks. And I'm excited because I'm ready to change. I'm ready to be like, oh, yeah, I neglected that one, but let's, let's work on it. Let's pray about this. Let's call on God to transform us. And I want to give you a little, bit of, little preview of where we're going next week. This is just a little glimpse of the passage that we're going to study. Colossians chapter 3, uh, just, just three verses out of the middle of this chapter. Therefore, as God's chosen people, that's you, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You need to know that God loves you. Everyone needs to know that God loves them. Your neighbors need to know that. People that you have a, a passing relationship with need to know that. They need to hear that. We need to know that God is love. And what we were designed for is loving God and loving others. Love is the language they speak in the new creation, and we get to learn it now. And I'm excited about that. I want to I take these, these love lessons like it's a language. I want to take them together with you guys. This is our class. This is our, uh, our foreign language credit that we're going to get for the month of May. Um, quick word about discipleship questions. Each week, I put discipleship questions on our website, and it occurred to me, I go, hey, go to the website. But I don't know why I don't just give them to you here. <laughs> because maybe you won't go to our website. But each week there's like three or four questions that relate to this lesson, relate to the text that we've studied. And they're designed not just to give you more information, but to get you to go, what am I going to do about this? How to be transformed by prompting, uh, letting these questions prompt me. So I'm just going to read them here right quick, and you can see them up on the screen. Uh, the first question is, in a typical week, is it easier or more comfortable for you to show love to God or to show love to people? Do you gravitate more toward worship or toward service? Some of you, I know, you're going to want to Jesus juke me and say, well, Jacob, service is worship to God. So, uh, that's not the spirit of the question. The spirit of the question is, you're probably stronger in one or the other of these things. You maybe do a lot of people stuff, service stuff, but maybe a relationship with God is not where it should be. Or maybe you're, you, you like to cloister, and you love to pray, and you love to go off by yourself, and just, ah, oh, me and God, and ah, that's so good. And maybe neglect the outward part of it. So that's the spirit of this question. It's just, where are you at? Which one of these spiritual muscles should you maybe work on? Second question, who is someone in your life that could benefit from receiving extra love and encouragement right now? And if you want to stop listening to me right now, I give you permission to take out your phone and send that person an encouraging message and say, yeah. This is the person that God's Spirit put on my heart. And I'm going to take the rest of this time just to send them a note of love and encouragement. But I bet it's a specific person who could use extra encouragement from you right now. And then the last question is, what is something that you can do today that will have a lasting impact throughout eternity? Lisa has a poster of this. I was like, I knew I got this from somewhere. She, she wrote this, uh, and it's been in our house. We can do a lot of things that won't matter a week from now. We can do a lot of things today that won't matter a year from now. But we can do things, even in this room, that will ring true and matter and have lasting impact throughout eternity. And again, the spirit of this question isn't just like think of one thing, but think about it and then do it. Uh, let me pray for us one more time as I close out this message. And then I'm going to ask Justin to come up here, uh, lead us in for one another, and uh, our, our closing 
blessing. And by the way, thank you. I don't know where Justin is, but Justin and Trish have been back there making the live stream happen and balancing our sound. And it's just, it's a big task. And I really appreciate the hard work that they've been doing and just so many other volunteers and doing the things that you guys do. I love you. I want you to keep doing them. Uh, but I also want us to go and take the love that we enjoy here, the encouragement, the knowledge, and just the, the boldness to speak about Christ freely. I want to take that out of these walls. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see you face to face someday. Uh, your word tells us that we see uh, a fuzzy vision now. We see in part, but there's going to be a time where we will have a better understanding and we will see the whole mind for us. But every time we get a glimpse now, it makes us excited. It makes us not want to wait to take on that role that you have assigned for us, to be stewards of your creation, to pronounce your judgment of love and redemption on your creation. Let us do that with every encounter that we have. Let us be people of peace and truly the church of Christ. Our prayer today is to help us be more and more like Jesus. Surprise us with the, the things that you have in store for us and may we be busy in doing your will and doing your work here and beyond. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.